You're making one right decision today. You're listening to Handcuffs and Sage. Three badass moms bringing you all the true crime and paranormal your heart desires. I'm Red. I'm Timo. I'm Dre. And don't let your kids listen. Seriously, just don't. Hey, it's Handcuffs and Sage. Woo! Woo! This is Red. Hey, this is Timo. Hey, this is Dre. How is everybody? It's motherfucking hot up in this hizzle. <laughs> it's so hot. It's so hot. Like, I just, there's no uh, moment of like, ah, uh, you know what I mean? It just keeps going and going. Yeah. It's, I think, what, were we like 111 or something yesterday? Like, something totally stupid. Like, what? It the doesn't fuck? even make sense, right? I know, right? We got it's into our right. car and, and it's yeah. 114. Oh, I got into my car and it said 126. And I'm like, what? Oh, that can't be right. (laughs) Yeah, but you walk outside and you literally can't take a breath because it just hits you like this, like you're walking into an oven. It's just, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So our family got together on Friday, super sad to say goodbye to my daughter. She's, she's going off to college. So, uh, our family got together and we did like a little barbecue and we went swimming. We, it was so nice because we were, you know, drinking our drinks in the pool and then the huggy barbecue. And then we played a trivia game about my daughter and that was really funny. And then she had put together a video. I had, I asked her to do it. Like, I like the little, you know, all about her from when she was born to now. And it was like to this really like, amazing music that just made you cry like it started and I started bawling right uh-huh. and then I just decided to do a speech and I just <laughs> started crying oh and, no how did you get through that I, I couldn't get through that it was so hard and then it was funny because afterwards my husband was like why didn't you tell me you were gonna do a speech oh. so I could have like prepared something I'm like I oh. didn't decide I was doing a speech until that moment and then he's like oh. but it was so good I'm like well I'm just amazing I, what, what can I say so how <laughs> is your daughter reacting is she getting emotional or is she just being herself and just be like yep yep whatever she was having a really hard time like I'm gonna be honest like just her anxiety about getting everything done, being there, I think leaving her boyfriend and her best friends. She has two best friends where they're like the three musketeers, right? Uh And they, they're all very, very close with each other. And one of them wrote a song and I'm not going to cry, wrote a song about (laughs) about their friendship. And she put all the pictures of them through the last four years together and I just was crying. Did Sorry. it go um with the three best friends that anyone could ever have? <laughs> nope. It was good. <laughs> you know what that's from, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um uh. Miss Amy's daughter is already um, away yes. to school. So last weekend they had her little going away party. So I saw your daughter there. Mm-hmm. I saw Stephanie's daughter there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just a bunch of kids and whatever. So I just stopped by to say hi and whatever. And then I'm like, okay, bye guys. I go and I gave Miss Amy's daughter a hug. 
and then of course I'm like, oh, I'm not going to see you guys either. So, so this is the way it went. It went. Miss Amy's daughter gives me a hug, and then Stephanie's daughter does the little heart thing, and she gives me a sweet little face. And then Red, your daughter goes, mm. <laughs> oh, she's so rude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, yep, I'm like, okay, bye, girl. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll edit you all the time. Oh, I wanted to mention because I told her I would. She did start her own little uh, business. I, we posted about it on Facebook and I think Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everybody knows that she does the art for our podcast. And Mm -hmm. She's so, so creative that she started her own like earring line and it's called mm -hmm. Punk Moon Jewelry and you should check it out. Check out her website. The earrings are so cute and it took her forever to make each one. So I know check they're them out. so cool. They're so, so cool. Yeah. My favorite how, are the, go ahead. I love how she developed like this idea just from like, you know, having having like anxiety and wanting to do something with her time right yes like so that's pretty badass there yes mm -hmm. yes and i love that she does this and then tells us later that's just like her mo yeah. right like yeah like it's already done and complete and now you guys can hear about it right she comes into her room she's like i started a business and we're like what <laughs> <laughs> you know and so she made this one pair that i love you know, my son's on the spectrum. So like this symbol is a puzzle piece and she made mm -hmm. green puzzle pieces mm. um, that those are like my favorite. But then she has some that say like groovy and BLM and, you know, just, you know, she's just a teenager from now and those things affect her. And so she made jewelry and I just, I'm super proud of her. Just fantastic. Yeah. So that's called Punk Moon Jewelry, y'all. Check it out. Yeah, even like her oh, little... Yeah. Her whole, like, you know, branding and everything is so cool. I love it. Yeah. That's her yeah. artwork. Really cool. Good for cool. you, girl. Good, good for you. Mm -hmm. And then we want to give a shout out to Stephanie's daughter. She left for college this morning. And so we had that goodbye uh, party yesterday. And I was hugging her, you know, goodbye at the end. And she just kind of squeezed me. And my heart just, you know, like Aww. when your heart just, like, tightens. Yeah. You know, she's like a daughter to me, not just a niece. And yeah, it just, it's so crazy because it's like an end of an era. Mm -hmm. This is a new phase in their life. And it's just so, it's, it's hard. There's times when I just start crying, you know? Yeah. Very emotional. Very Especially emotional. when they're going away, like out of state too. Yes. It's, yeah. Like I didn't go away to college. I stayed, I stayed home. So like, yeah. but I just, ugh, that's, I don't know how it's hard. They're so yeah. far away. Yeah. So we leave on Tuesday to take her to Utah. And after we drop her off and I probably will hold on to her leg and she'll have to like try to walk away from me or something awkward like yeah. that. And then um, <laughs> we're going to stop in Zion, the, the national park on the way home. And we're going to do the Narrows hike. So that's a bucket list thing for me. Cool. So I'm trying to like think the positive with yeah, yeah, yeah. the sadness of the trip, you know, <laughs> Sure. we'll get through it it'll be fine so let's what how, how was your week let's talk about that how was your week y'all i uh went and stood at in 105 degree heat for three hours mm. so that my, mm. my son could get his permit he fucking passed thank the lord Yay! Oh, but like it was drama y'all trying to get get to that place like this was a third attempt 
not his fault. I mean, third attempt, first fault was my fault. And then the second fault was the stupid DMV. But anyways, yeah, it, it worked. And I was I'm almost a, so I was, glad I was almost a Karen yeah. because they kicked me out, dude. Like I got no, to go in with you him. Were a Karen. <laughs> I got to go in with him and then he was gonna go and they're like, No, you need to wait oh. outside. I go, Do you know how hot it is outside? He's like, Yeah. So I didn't I didn't cause this pandemic. I'm like, You what? fucker. Yeah. That's oh my funny. goodness. <laughs> Ricky's such a teenager. Ricky is the same way. No, He's no, like, not Mom, the, you know what the, he told me today? The DMV guy said that to me. Oh, what a Oh, yeah, the, the DM, no, my son wanted me to be with him. The DMV guy kicked me out. Of course. Out. Yeah. Customer you know, service yeah. added yeah. always. Fucker. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm so that crazy. The DMV employee said this. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's signs all over the place that says, if you threaten a DMV worker, it's oh, punishable by, you know, whatever. It's like, well, what if they treat you like shit? They're <laughs> right. <laughs> Jay, what happened um, with your son? What were you saying? What oh, no. He like he says, just on the way home today, he told me, like, Mom, this pandemic's all your fault. He's like, aren't you an infectious diseases nurse? You should have found a cure by now. And I'm like, I agree. I just agree completely with that statement. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. just, and then, like, he knows he's being ridiculous. So then we, I look at him and we just start laughing. And I'm like, shut <laughs> up. That's cool. He's, he's right. You're wrong. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he thinks. I love him. I love him. You guys know we love our boys. But like he uh is like I know cuz I'll okay, whoa whoa whoa. Think a little here. Um he was driving and then and he's like making a turn and I'm like and he's like don't make that noise. Like you can't do that when I'm driving. It freaks me out and it makes me da -da -da -da, right? I'm like look dude, I I'm going to do the noises. I'm going to like grunt and like, handle it maybe you shouldn't be driving you know I'm like you have to listen to me and he was like no mom I didn't get my permit because I don't know anything and I'm like actually <laughs> I don't know you don't really yeah uh -huh. I always no, I always said to my daughter look I've been uh, driving for 20 years how long have you been driving check yourself mm -hmm. right? yeah. second day yep. give me a break mm -hmm. I was like holding on to the side of the car every time <laughs> I was in the car with her it was it was really bad it was bad for oh our no I don't know yeah. how to handle that um no it's uh, awful but I, I've said that I've said that exact statement to my son like for the past three years when he's trying to backseat drive on me. I go, I'm sorry, how long have you been driving? <laughs> Don't tell me how to drive. When you get your license, then you can tell me like, hey, this, that, but uh, -uh not now, mm -hmm. dude. Uh, uh not now. All right, are you guys ready? Oh, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. After last week, uh, do we have something a little bit more uh Less it's a fun, it's a fun one. It's it's fantastic. a good yeah. <laughs> um, you guys, so I'll share this with everybody, right? And I'm sure everyone's listening to this while they're cleaning the house or driving or cooking or whatever you do, because that's I'm always listening to a podcast. Um, so Red made a big old mistake, and I put my story together, and I kept thinking, I just already know so much about mm -hmm. this story. I love this story. I probably heard it on other podcasts or, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden it dawned on me today, you know what? I should probably check and see if I've done this story. <laughs> Guess what? I did. I yep. have already done this story. That's why I knew so much about 
<laughs> and it was semi-recent too, right? It was, yeah. it wasn't super fun uh, days. It was time comes and safe days, right? Yeah. Red missed it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Red missed it. All right. All right. But this is kind of a, I wouldn't say fun, but it's on a lighter note. Okay. Cool. Okay. Okay. So the story I'm doing today is about Julia Tofana. Tofana. Julia Tofana. Okay. And this is a real fun one. Um, but I think what really ties into this story is there are times that I am very grateful to be a woman living in this day and age. Because oh, yeah. when I think about the Renaissance time, <laughs> I think what a miserable time to be a woman. Oh, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have to wear mm -hmm. all the clothes, the corsets, you can't work, you're treated like shit by your men, you have no rights, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing you say matters. Um, and then period, like dealing with your period during that time. I just oh. think it's just miserable. You know what I mean? Just yeah. awful, awful. So this takes place during the Renaissance times. Um, so Julia Tofana was born in 1620 in Palermo, Italy which mm. just sounds magical, all right? Mm. Uh, I always have wanted to go to Italy. I think I've told you guys that. Yeah. So this takes place in Italy, you guys. I've been. <laughs> yeah, nah. Let me bow okay, down, okay. kiss your feet. I, so, went, I went backpacking, though, so it's kind of a little bit different than, like, if you I think go, that's like, so on holiday. Cool, man. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love, love, love that. There's not a lot of information about this woman, okay? Oh, so, okay. There are not any like known portraits of her for sure, right? Because you want to look these things up. Mm -hmm. There isn't a lot. Uh, there's some portraits that will come up, but then have later been debunked, like that they weren't actually portraits of her. But she was, to, you know, people said she was just gorgeous, beautiful woman. And she's actually one of the most successful serial killers that we've never heard of. Oh, wait, I think I know who this is. What? I yes. think I know who this is. So this is a crazy, fun, interesting story, and it really has to deal with the times, okay? Um, this takes place uh, in the 17th century, and it, it's kind of, you have to get in the mindset of where women were at this time and why this happened, okay? So back then, the way a woman could make money, right, or have any kind of money was what? To be married, mm -hmm. right? Um, to be a prostitute. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's fun. That's a fun one. <laughs> and then to beg for money, okay? Oh, oh good. Okay. So uh -huh. that's how women were able to get by back then. And during those times, arranged marriages is where what was happening, right? It wasn't like you fell in love with someone and you were just gonna make it happen. A lot of marriages were arranged at the time, okay? Which led to a lot of women being in very unhappy marriages and having no way out, mm. okay? Mm -hmm. All right, so Julia Tofana, right? She came up with something called Aqua Tofana. Isn't that fun? was made to look like it was used um, for makeup 
right? Something a woman would would put on to just look fabulous, right? Hmm. Back, back in the day, uh, fun story, there's something called Belladonna. Has anyone heard of Belladonna? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. Belladonna was a berry that was actually used all the time by women, and they would put, um, you know, drops of it in their eyes. Stay with me here. In their eyes to dilate their eyes so they would look luminous. Ooh, crazy. Right? Now, it's um, poisonous, right? Is it poisonous? Belladonna? No. no? Belladonna okay. isn't. Okay. Right? But um, what she mixed with it was poisonous. So when Julia was younger, she became friends, really interested in um, apothecaries. So, you know, mixes, uh, different potions for different things, ailments, whatnot, right? So she really got into this and she put her own thing together. And in Aquatofana, you could find arsenic, lead and belladonna okay oh. yeah yeah crazy um so going back to the way it was for for women marriages were forever okay you're not oh, yeah. getting a divorce divorce is a big no no right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so what do you do when you're stuck in a marriage and your husband's shady af and you have no other options. You kill him. Yeah. Because a widow is still respected, is mm-hmm. still then taken care of financially, right? So that was really where it was at back then. Right. Being and a you, widow, right? And you could basically get away with murder back in those days too, so. Oh, well, let's mm-hmm. see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> So Julia Tofana was the daughter of Tofania di Adamo, okay? And Tofania really taught Julia how to mix and make things. And it's said that this poison recipe might have come from her mother. So maybe she learned it from her. And her mother, Tofania, was actually executed in July 1633 okay and what do we know what was really sweeping Europe at the time mass witch hunts right anything a woman did oh yeah you're you're a witch we're gonna Mm -hmm. kill you right yeah you get your period you're a witch (laughs) okay yeah okay you breathe in a funny way you're a witch all right and you couldn't defend yourself either because if you defended yourself, you were a witch. Right, you know, right. If you right. screamed or threw a fit or whatever, you were a witch. So, right, 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 right. Horrible. It was just a horrible time again to mm-hmm, be a woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, this poison that she might have gotten the recipe from her mother, she might have put it together herself. We're not quite sure on that. Is very interesting. So, basically, Four to six drops of aquatabana could do the trick. But what she would do is she would say, okay, you need to put like two drops, Mm -hmm. just two, in like uh, some soup, right? (laughs) Or some wine, right? And then 
so the, the first time your husband takes it, they're just not feeling that great, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then a few days later, you administer another two drops. So then as the poison builds up, then, oh, then they're really not feeling good, right? You're, mm -hmm. You have, you know, diarrhea, your body hurts. You're straight up like, I'm going to die. All right. I feel it. I'm going to die. Okay. So then by the third or fourth time you administer the drops, they're done. Right. Man. So what it does is it makes it look like they have some kind of mm -hmm. disease or something that was very normal back then. Right. Right. And it killed like, you fast. So. Right. Yeah. And you know, back then people died constantly of everything, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was very easy to die of sickness, <laughs> right? So, so easy. <laughs> it was so easy. So if this mimicked something, you know, like an illness or a disease, right? That's what doctors would think had happened. Okay. So it okay. was very interesting. So when she first started making this, um, she she kind of like had made like a, a powder, right? To like disguise it because it was makeup. But then she later changed it. And it was like in this really cool, like looking makeup bottle um, into like a liquid, right? To do the drops. Mm -hmm. So it, it changed over time. But I just, it, it's just so crazy that this all went down. So let, let's get to, to what's happening. So she had a daughter that also helped make the poison and put it into the bottles and everything. So like her partner in crime, if you will. Mm -hmm. her, her daughter, her name's a little harder for me. Her daughter was Yerlama Spera. That was her name, okay? And they sold it in these like small vials and they said it was like a special healing ointment, mana of St. Nicholas of Berry. So it was under disguise right, of what it was and what it did. So any man, like, I don't know about y'all, but my hubby has no idea what my makeup is, right? Mm -hmm. It looks like makeup, it's makeup, uh -huh, right? Uh -huh. It's on my table, mm -hmm. it's makeup. That's exactly what was happening. They did bring it home. It was part of like their makeup arrangement. It had directions on the back, like, you know, just take to whatever to look luminous, right? It, it looked mm -hmm. like makeup. Um, so her and her daughter decided we're going to help women out, okay, that are stuck in these bad marriages, and we're going to give it to them and instruct them how to administer it, right? Okay. So then women started finding out about this. So women knew it was well known to women, right? It's kind of like an underground situation where it was it was like you would come to her and say i need this and she wouldn't just say all right here you go right this is how you do it she was very selective about mm. who she would give it to she almost did like like a background check she talked to the <laughs> friends the family about this person if she was trustworthy right yeah, she needed to know because if you're thinking about it right you're you're murdering people. You need mm -hmm. to know that mm -hmm. isn't going to get out and someone's going to tell everybody what they're doing. Okay. So she was actually very selective. Um, 
So because this mimicked a, a natural cause, what was also good about this situation for these ladies is that the husbands would have time to, you know, get their affairs in order, right? They're feeling like they're sick. They might die. Let's get the affairs in order. Maybe a will is done. But really what made them feel better, I guess, about killing their husbands is that they had time to repent their sins. So they were definitely going to go to heaven. So everything is fine. <laughs> It's okay to kill him. He repented his sins. He's going to heaven. It's all good, right? So it was, it was a, uh, so shady. So it was a colorless and tasteless liquid. You could put it again, you know, wine, soup, all, all these fun different things. Um, and so this started going on, right? On and on. And it it never got out that this was happening right? It was, it was amazing to me how long that they were able to do this without anyone telling, right? Okay, so Julia's clients loved her, okay? She was helping them get out of a bad situation, and because they loved her, they were also very protective of her, okay? And Julia, mm -hmm. even at one point, opens up like a small like business, like a makeup business as a front, right? So it seems very legitimate. She makes mm -hmm. makeup. She's selling this makeup. She has all these clients that love her. They're very protective of her. Her her daughter are working together. You know, it's it's a pretty good setup for everybody except her husband, right? <laughs> <laughs> horrible, horrible husband. So at one point, um, you know, her and her daughter like moved to Naples, and then they finally end up in Rome with their makeup business, okay? She also would help coach women on how to act during the time period that the husband was being poisoned. Right? <laughs> wow. Right, right. So <laughs> when a man would show signs, he was starting to get sick, she would tell them, you need to just be, you know, so caring and loving and cry and just be distraught that your loving husband is sick, right? And then wow. what, what you need to do is after he passes, you know, you're a wreck, you're a mess, you're all in black, crying constantly, you need to demand a post-mortem examination. You need to demand oh, wow. it, right? Because these things could not be traced. So if you demanded it and they, for sure didn't find anything, then oh, the shit. wife was innocent, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The wife had mm -hmm. nothing to do with it. And at the time, like, uh, they, they said, you know, like a doctor, they called him like a medicine man. The medicine man would start off like with the first poisoning, like coming over and maybe giving him a, like a little something for his maybe upset stomach or whatever, but that wouldn't work. He maybe would come over and give him like a little something else, right? For what issues he was having, but obviously that wouldn't work. And so with the doctor saying, I'm giving him things to make him feel better and he still died, they really needed to cover their tracks by saying, you need to do an examination, right? So they mm -hmm. had to really follow through with her instructions to cover themselves and they did, right? So it was very, very important to do this. And she even, there was like, even like, um, something that she once said, like, you know, and then maybe a year or two after he died, it wouldn't look weird that she took up with somebody else, 
right? Because wow. she's innocent, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so, at one point, Julia sells uh, the aquatofana to a woman in need, right? She, she needs to get rid of her husband. It's not a good situation. So the first time she's about to administer the drops, she puts it in a soup, okay? And her and her hubby are sitting down and, and she's looking at him and he starts eating the soup. And she decides, I don't want to do this. I don't want him oh. to die, right? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no, is right. <laughs> no backing out, honey. Right? Okay. Uh-uh. I'm going to have a sip of my truly. One second. Mmm, that looks so good. <laughs> yes, it is. It's delicious. So she freaks out and she's like, stop eating the soup. Don't eat the soup. And oh. kind of loses it, right? And he goes, uh, why, honey? What'd you do to the soup? <laughs> Duh. Now, Duh. I think if she was a really smart woman, she could have been like, oh, I don't think I cooked the chicken long enough in this soup or something, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's not what happened. So he starts beating on her and demands oh, what God. happens, right? And she confesses to oh, putting no. the poison in the soup, right? So her hubby is super pissed that his wife is trying to kill him. She takes, he takes her down to the authorities in Rome and she is tortured for answers. Tortured, okay? So Julia hears about what's going down at the Popo place in Rome. She's like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Shit's getting crazy, okay? So mm-hmm. she packs up all of her stuff and the you know, all the clients and stuff that just like love her, help her um, get to this church. And she asks the church for sanctuary. Okay. So she's in this church. They've given her sanctuary. She's hiding out there. Okay. But then this crazy rumor starts going around Rome, kind of like things on Facebook happen sometimes. And (laughs) people are saying that there's, a good chance that Julia poisoned the water supply in Rome. She's out of control. She's trying to kill us all. Straight up rumor mill, right? Oh, come on. She did not poison the water. Okay, she was hiding out in the church. So the authorities come and knock to the church, and they say, Julia, get your ass out here. We're taking you in. The church couldn't (laughs) protect her. They took her, okay? So the authorities take her in and they torture her for answers. Hmm. What did you do? What's going on? Right. And it comes out and she finally confesses that she's probably killed 600 men. Oh, oh my gosh. That's mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot. So of, many. That's a lot of um, women. Wow. That she saved. <laughs> See, that's why I'm so conflicted because I'm like, if men weren't terrible beating on their wives Mm -hmm. and doing whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Right. Maybe this wouldn't happen. Hello. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
I, mm-hmm. I just can't mm-hmm. imagine living during this time, being in those circumstances, having no way out, and this is what she was doing. So 600 men between wow. 1633 and 1651. She was so busy. She worked so hard. That's a <laughs> yeah. lot of clients. That is okay. a lot. That's a lot Crazy. of patients. Yeah. She made a lot uh, of money. Yes. I'm I mean, like, whoa, whoa, Julia, but kudos to. See? Conflicted. <laughs> Very conflicted with this story. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she's being tortured and she names a few of the clients that she's had that really says that she can't remember all of them, right? And so Julia and her daughter and three of their helpers were executed in this like square of town. It was called Campa de Fiori, okay? And so they, they were killed. And was it was the re- it the gallows or did they get like head chopped? Do you know? I believe that they were hanged. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Um, but they did say that in this square, this is where they killed so many people that they killed them in different ways in this square. Okay. Mm. Mm. So I do think that they were hanged. And so there were there were journals or diaries written during this time talking about this happening. So that's how we kind of have some information about everything that went down. Um, so then after Julia was executed, the authorities took her body and threw it over the wall at the church that had given her sanctuary oh. with a big fuck oh, you. Yeah, nasty. So rude. You know what? rude okay so then about 40 of her clients were taken in and some of them were executed and some of them were bricked in to an <gasps> underground dungeon that they had there. oh that's horrible think about that mm-hmm. i bet um, you they just took all the widows like they didn't care like you, you oh your husband died you're going in the dungeon right yeah terrible terrible so there's a lot of things that go with this story because there isn't a ton of information um and you know when when people are being tortured they'll say a lot of things right so Mm -hmm. people are saying you know was that right the right number of people you know uh, of men she helped kill we don't know um was she actually innocent of this but said that she did it because they were torturing her right? We don't know. It was so long ago, and we don't have a lot of information, but it really does seem like it's a very conflicting story, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, Was she good or was she bad? I don't know. Is killing bad? Yes. Is murdering people bad? Of course. But this, this, this is really hard thinking about women and what they were enduring during the time. So, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a hard one. It's a hard one. Um, but the story of Aquatofana kind of like lived on in infamy, right? Mm-hmm, that right. women could kill you with this poison. Right. And there's a story that happened in uh, 1791 where uh, Mozart, you know Mozart? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mozart. Mozart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he once got very very sick 
and had made, you know, comments that he had been poisoned by the Akwotofana. He knew it. <laughs> right. But it turned out, no, he had syphilis. So, mm. yeah, he, he died. Uh, mm -hmm. But there's, this is kind of interesting. So there's two meanings for the word belladonna, right? Um, mm -hmm. It can mean beautiful woman, which mm -hmm. is very interesting. It, now, this was a makeup product, right? Mm -hmm. And a beautiful woman, Julia, made it. Beautiful mm -hmm. woman. Mm -hmm. But then there's another name for it, <laughs> which means deadly nightshade. Oh, and so, yeah. Which one is more fitting? Yeah. Ooh. So that is the story of Julia Topana and Otto Topana. I thought you were going to say, like, now today it's the water Aquafina. Imagine. <laughs> it tastes so yummy. No, you guys, there, there's actually, um, they just pulled this from the market. I don't know, like within the last, say, 15 years or whatever. Um, but they had those homeopathic teething tablets mm, and it yeah. had belladonna in it. Like no really? shit. The Humphreys, the Humphreys teething tablets. Yeah. I mean, they worked really well, but they, you know, they're like, a, it's a sedative. So they would put the baby to sleep. Interesting. Yeah. That was not the woman that I was thinking about. But um, yeah, I didn't think so because there yeah, is no. not a lot of information on her. You really don't hear about this story. I, no, I'd never heard of that before. Yeah, yeah. So, it, you know, it's a very it's interesting, right? Yeah. She was I'll kind tell of you a, about a badass. Yeah, I'll tell you about the one I was thinking about. Maybe you might want to do her. Tell um, me, tell me later. Um, yeah, I'll tell you tell later. Me, tell me later. Under yeah. the table, let me know. <laughs> that was good. I like that one. That was a really good story. I love like Renaissance history and all that good stuff. So yeah, that was like history lesson with a twist. I'm like know, a history teacher, y'all. Like, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Where's the paranormal? The paranormal activity behind all those women dying. Yeah. Bricked up Getting in the dungeon. Oh my God! Yep. Could you imagine? Yeah. No. No. What's I can't that imagine. Movie with Kevin Bacon. That there's oh, like that movie yes. with Kevin Bacon where they like, oh God, where the that like spirit comes to tell him like she's bricked up in the basement or whatever. Yes. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, I so love good. that movie. That's what was that called? Um, oh, that's gonna drive crazy. Face it like echoes something echoes. Yeah, something with echo. Yeah. Okay. For, um, it's something oh, echoes. Yeah. No, I'll, I can't. I can't proceed until we know. Stir of echoes. Stir of echoes. Stir of echoes. Yeah. Good job. Um, and then yeah, the red door. The red door. The Beatles' red door song is on that. Bam 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 Yeah. We don't own it, the right to this song. <laughs> it, it sounded so like it too. Nailed yeah. Okay. Okay, so you guys ready? <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So the past four weeks, I have been doing uh, the cursed films from um, the little cable channel Shutter, And I watched the fifth one and I decided not to do it. Um, <gasps> it just wasn't, it was the Twilight Zone movie. Mm. And it just wasn't all that that good. I mean, we all know because we live in Santa Clarita Valley, if you guys um, are where there was, um, it was kind of like 
uh, I don't really even remember if I even saw the movie, but they were, they were in Vietnam and there was like a helicopter crash or something to that effect. Well, that happened right over here in Valencia where they were filming and like people were killed on the, on the helicopter. There was some type of helicopter crash and people were killed and, but that was really it. There wasn't really, an, I don't think there was a curse involved at all. It was just the ah, director. Ah, that's a bummer. Yeah, the director yeah. just wanted all this crazy shit to go down all at one time. And mm -hmm. it just, there were warning signs like maybe we shouldn't do this because they were having mm -hmm. explosions go on at the same time. And they're like, dude, the helicopter is rocking so bad. And the director's like, well, wait till you see what we really got. Like, it's like, yeah. So it was a stupidity, I think. So I'm like, mm, this is not really fun. So I decided to do a story that I've been wanting to do for a very, very long time. And um, it's, it's about the Perrin family. Now, I'm going to be very bleak and very vague on who this family is. But once I start talking and telling you guys a story, you you'll guys will, will know what I'm talking about. Yeah, buckle up. Buckle, buckle up. up. Buckle up. Okay. So uh, this happened in the 1970s, and it happened in Harrisville, Rhode Island. The Perron family bought a 14-room farmhouse. <gasps> Why so many rooms? Why do people need... Could you imagine cleaning a house with no. 14 well, you got, I don't know. Hell I don't know. no. How yeah. many bathrooms? I can clean rooms all day, but bathrooms, I'm going to be like, yeah, bad, baby. Bye. Uh, probably not that many. It's not like today's times where you have more bathrooms than rooms in, in the mansions. Yeah. It's probably very few. It was on 200 acres of land. So it was like right wow. out in the middle of nowhere. Wow. Uh, so in December 1970, the Perron family uh, moved in. There was Roger and Carolyn. They were the mom and dad. They had five daughters, Andrea, Nancy, Christine, Cindy, and April. Wow. And when they first moved into the house, the neighbors came up to them and, uh, well, a little bit of background on the house. It was called the Arnold Estate. And the reason why it was called the Arnold Estate was because it had been in the Arnold family for eight generations, all the way back to like the 1600s. So... Uh, and many weird things happened uh, through the generations with the Arnold family, and I'll, I'll talk about that. Uh, but the neighbors said one word of advice, for the sake of your family, leave the lights on at night. And what? that's basically all they said. They didn't mm. explain why or whatever. Well, that's creepy. Yeah, it's creepy, right? I don't want to hear that. Yeah. Mm. Right before we go to bed? I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's creepy it to have like a farmhouse. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of creepy <laughs> to have a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere anyways. So I think kind so, of like, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah, no. Mm -hmm. So basically this house is motherfucking haunted mm. and uh, little things started to happen here and there. So Carolyn would notice like her broom would go missing every once in a while. She would hear like scraping on her kettle on the stove. And then uh, she'd see like little piles of dirt, like everywhere. It was like kind of strange, but she's like, mm, this is an well, old so house, far, whatever, so right? Far, look, look, she's got five <laughs> girls. Right. Okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> Kids are loud and they are messy. So it could be. Yeah. Good. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. So, so she decided to do a little bit of um, history 
she was looking into the history of the home and this is in the 70s so you know this stuff is readily available See and that the library with like the flip the, story yeah, the, going the microfiche <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> So like I said, the house had been in the Arnold family for eight generations, and many, many members of this family died under suspicious circumstances, and they were very, very um, horrible and tragic circumstances. Several that children. So fun. <laughs> yeah, there was a <laughs> there was a creek uh, across the the um, property. Several of the Arnold family children. Um, drowned in the creek now, oh, this is over no. eight generations so oh, uh, no. there was a child that was murdered on the property and oh. a few of them hung themselves in the attic so this is where she this is what she got to go on she's like okay what the fuck's going on here so uh Oh, and by the way, I got this, most of this information I got from a website, it's called The Paranormal Scholar. And I love this uh, YouTube channel because I've done quite a few different episodes. I've got information from this and it's a lady that talks in, in, with an English accent and it's, it's, it's funny, <laughs> I love it, I like her. <laughs> so most of, the, most of the time, they really were cool with the spirits and the stuff that was going on. They thought they were friendly. There wasn't anything scary about them. And uh, actually one of the spirits was that of Miss Mrs. Arnold. And I don't know which generation Mrs. Arnold it was, but she would actually tuck the girls in at night and she would kiss them on the forehead. Oh my it, gosh, that's creepalicious. Yeah. Dude. And the girls loved it. Them. Like oh they my, were just no, like, they did it. Oh. Yeah, they were just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> crazy. And then uh, there was another spirit that they loved, and it was Johnny Arnold. And Johnny Arnold, um, I'm not exactly sure how old he was, but he was one of the Arnold family that hung himself in the attic. And it was around Aww. the 18th century. And he would just like play, watch them play. He would um like throw their toys at them, like, you know, in fun ways. And so they they loved him and they they nicknamed him Manny. I don't know why they nicknamed him Manny, but that was their nickname for him. And they just, they dug him. So they're like, cool, whatever. And then there was a third nice spirit that they liked that they called the sweeping ghost. And exactly what it was, this, this, uh, bring that, bring that thing here. I know. <laughs> this ghost would sweep. So that piles of dirt that you would see, they were actually sweeping the floor and you would just hear random, like sweeping throughout the house, like all times of, of you, you would need it with 14 rooms. You need the help. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Right. Right. So uh every time they would hear the the sweeping and they they would go to investigate it would just be the broom would be like propped up against the wall with a nice little pile of dirt in the corner i mean it was just oh so bizarre so crazy yes yeah so as time went by the spirits started getting a little bit not so nice but i think it was introducing more spirits that they hadn't um experienced before so around 15, uh, 5.15 a.m. every morning, 
they were awoken by a spirit that would come into their bedroom and smell of rotting flesh and would Ew. literally lift their beds up and knock them out of bed. Okay. Uh, Time to go. Yeah. Yeah. Hack your stuff. Yeah. I know. And the I knew we can leave too now. I knew you were going to say that, Red, and a uh, little side note, they stayed in this house for 10 years. <laughs> what? With all I this shit happening. I don't understand. If I you're know, seriously right? freaked out, why do people stay? I right? don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. But, but this is just the tip of the iceberg right here, and uh, I just, I don't understand how they stayed in this house for 10 years. Mm -mm. Then they were for sure um, encountering some type of demonic forces in in this home uh it would pull the girl's hair it would pull their their arms their legs like in bed it would like pull their feet pull their arms um all during the night when they were in bed uh they would hear doors banging opening and slamming shut they would hear disembodied cries throughout the house can and, i ask you a question yes. because i, I because you pointed out that they would be awakened at 5.15 in the morning every day. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Isn't there like a special time in the morning where things usually happen with ghosts or entities? Isn't it something like around three in the morning? Yeah, three in the morning is the witching hour. And the reason why it's called that is because they're mocking the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy, Holy Ghost. Okay. So it always happens at three in the morning. So that's, that's, yeah. But I don't know what the 5.15 a.m. had, had to do with any of this. So, um, okay. I don't know. Um, they were, they were smart ghosts and they did the math. 15 divided by five. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that makes sense. That's cool. So, <laughs> uh, there were so many rooms in the house, but some of the girls slept like in the same rooms, you know, together and some even slept in the same beds, which is so weird. I, I, I don't get it. But one of the little girls woke up in the middle of the night and she told her sister that she had heard a voice tell her that seven dead soldiers had been buried in the wall. Mm. What? Yeah. That would creep me out. Ooh. And this house was built like 200 years ago. It's like 300 years old now for us today. And I mean, it went, it was like built prior to the signing of the Declaration of Independence. So it went through all the wars, you know, the Civil War and all mm. that. So, but why would soldiers be buried in the walls? You know what I mean? Why would that happen? That's insane. That's, That's yeah. crazy. Uh, they never did the research. They never uh, like went searching in their walls to find out what that was. But then the worst part of um, what happened is uh, there was a man spirit, um, a very, very bad man spirit who had five little girls in the home that he was haunting. Now, um, Andrea Perrin, she basically took the reins. She was the oldest. Um, she basically raised her sisters because the parents really didn't really know what was going on. They didn't really, because it all affected the kids at first. And the kids would go to her before they went to the parents. So she kind of knew what was going on. But um, to this day, Andrea still will not talk about that part of what happened. I think we could all basically imagine what was happening oh um, uh that they were being molested yeah by I think they were being molested yeah a I'm male sure, spirit yeah i'm pretty sure that's mm. what was what was going on 
Uh, that makes me think it was actually the father. Um, I don't know. You know what I mean? You know what yeah. I mean? Like they're blaming it on something else. Yeah, I've maybe. heard crazier things. Right? Yeah. Um, there is a a, a a story where that it's a it's a haunting and that ended up being the situation and uh -huh. yeah um that's i heard one time that that this i i had heard something about this lady being married to a ghost and that they would have oh sex. yeah oh yeah she's yeah. she's in england mm -hmm. and now she wanted yeah it, it was the pirate though too right wasn't he a pirate yes Yes, okay, he's a pirate. Mm -hmm. I'm into that. I, I, I would do it with a ghost pirate. I'm not ashamed. I just, I, do I just I have so many questions about like how a how a ghost can you know like have sex with the human and a, li a live person. Well, yeah, in the so entity, we need, when well, I did the story, we need to look into this. yeah, the, in the entity. Remember that story I did with that with that lady. Mm -hmm. They okay. <laughs> it still freaks me out. That one still freaks me out to this day. So that? I'm like, okay, so now this is gonna get crazy, you guys. So there was a spirit that was the main instigator of all the negativity. And who they believe this was, they believe that this was a woman that um was born in 1912. Her name was Bathsheba Thayer, Bathsheba. Yep, that is what I said. Bathsheba. What a beautiful name for your <laughs> baby. Bathsheba. And in her early thirties, she married a man named Judson Sherman, and she had given birth to a son named Herbert. And it was said oh that my God. they. Good names. Yeah. It was said that she also had three other children who all died at a really young age. Oh, now, oh. Um, but one event that stands out that happened with um, Bathsheba was, they think that she was, of course, a witch. And the reason of why they- course. Right. Of and the, course. Right. And the reason why they thought this was an infant that was in, um, her care passed away uh the child had a uh, incision on the back of its skull like head and skull and uh she said that they were claiming that she sacrificed the child to the devil so that she would be young and beautiful so she went to trial and she was found not guilty but she was basically condemned by the by the community and by all the neighbors that's they, crazy they, yeah. so it couldn't be that the child maybe hit its head and died no no possibly she's possibly. a witch right she she's sacrificed the baby sure right right amazing oh because God. she was beautiful and she was young and that's um you know she couldn't just be young and beautiful she had to be sacrificing babies with the devil sure why not and then they also claim that the three other children that she lost were actual sacrificial um, children to the devil as well. So that's why she, that's so um, yeah. So after she was found not guilty, uh, unfortunately, still the death of the child still haunted her for her whole life. And she finally did die um, 
of old age and they claimed that uh, when she died her um her body turned to stone and this was part of the devil's deal that uh she would turn to stone um, this is what what it was saying i, I feel exactly like you're sure. just talking nonsense over here <laughs> <laughs> It's I hard to say this crazy stuff, right? It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, that was the <laughs> devil's plan, <laughs> I guess. I'm just, I'm just reading my notes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just crazy. here telling you the information. <laughs> And she's actually buried. You can go, she's like in this old cemetery um, over there in Rhode Island, and you can actually go, go see her grave, which is kind of creepy. But it said that Bathsheba was pissed because of everybody claiming that she was a witch and that she killed these children. So she, in the afterlife, she was basically just bitter and full of rage and she haunted this home. So guess what Bathsheba did? She kind of fell in love with Roger Perrin and she would do oh. these little things here and there that would make him be like, hmm, what's going on? So she would give him soft caresses and she would oh. make sexual advances um, to him. And he kept this a secret for many, many, many years because he didn't <laughs> want to believe that this was actually happening. And then she was oh. pissed off because he was married to Carolyn. So she was going to get rid of Carolyn. So she started doing some crazy, obnoxious shit to poor Carolyn. So let's see. The first thing that she did to Carolyn was that she would physically hurt her and she would mentally torment her. She would... Uh, hide things at first like hide things of hers to make her think that she was going crazy and then she would basically uh physically harm her where she said one time she was laying on the couch on her stomach and she was reading a book and she was impaled by i think it was a knitting needle in the in her ah! oh like just all Ow. kinds of yeah like just weird crazy. how does that transpire Right. So does she just feel the pain, but there's no blood, there's no like That's puncture, what... but she feels it? Right. No, I think it was actual, I think she had like knitting needles there. And like I a think real? Actually, yeah, yeah. Oh. And, and she yeah. stayed in the home. Yeah, for like another 10 years. For exactly. 10 years. Mm -hmm. You guys, so there's, have you guys seen that meme? I think maybe we've even done this meme where it's like the white family, they're like the white family at the haunted <laughs> house and they're all moving in all happy. <laughs> Uh -huh, uh -huh. No problem. We don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's so they're like, okay, fuck this shit. We need to figure out what's going on. So um, have <laughs> you guys heard? Leave? Yeah. <laughs> have you guys heard of Ed and Lorraine Warren before? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, yes. So this is one of the homes that they investigated. Uh, Ed and Lorraine Ooh. Warren were really, um, renowned uh, paranormal investigators. In 1952, they founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, and it's one of the oldest ghost hunting groups in New England. They finally gained notoriety and became respected in the paranormal world um, after they did the uh, Amityville case. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. 
they claim to have done over 10,000 investigations. And besides the Aminaville case, the other famous, most famous investigation that they did was uh, about Carmen Snedeker. And uh, they did her story. It was called, it was a movie called The Haunting in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. um, so they did her story. I'll do that story later on too, because that's a really good story as well. That's a really good one, yeah. But they are also said to have, um, in their home, they had a locked room. It was kind of like a museum for haunted objects. Mm -hmm. And whenever they go into these, you know, investigations, they bring home whatever was manifesting an evil spirit, whatever. And they have the real Annabelle, Annabelle doll in this museum. Oh, wow. Yes. Yes. Well, Ed died in 2006, but uh, Lorraine kept on doing her investigations. She recently died on April 18, 2019, so less than a year ago. No, wow. little over a year ago she died. A little over a year. Yeah. And uh, there is another paranormal um, investigator. His name is um, uh, Jack Zathis, and I believe he is Lorraine's nephew. And he actually also has a museum for haunted objects. So I think what he did was he, he took all of their objects once the rain passed away and he combined them. So now uh, he has all the collection, which would be like, oh my God, like, yeah. Like, Serious. Yeah. Serious no, 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 place no, no, no. in the whole world. Right? Yeah. 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 So, all right, so that, can that, we pause really yeah. fast? Yeah. Speaking of Annabelle, I, I'd seen memes like throughout the week but I haven't researched it at all. What did you hear about Annabelle, Annabelle getting lost? Did you hear about that this week? No. Oh. Okay, to be continued. Ooh, wow. I haven't researched it. I just saw memes about it, like, what do you mean Annabelle is lost? Ooh. What are you talking about? Dude, yeah, that's scary. Yeah. Okay, Annabelle I'll, I'll look that up. Like, bye 2020, he said, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, left. He's out, bitches. He's like, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't even handle this um, shit. I can't handle yeah. it. Forget it. Forget it. Oh god, that's spooky. Okay. So now we're going to go back. They they called Lorraine and Ed in and as soon as Lorraine walked into the farmhouse, she immediately sensed the dark spirit and she just came out with her name is Bathsheba. Now, that is a strange name to begin with, so it's like what like you just come out of like Bathsheba. And she pointed out that um, she saw on the back of Carolyn's leg, she saw that like circular cut that was caused by the knitting needle. And mm -hmm. she said that she did that. Beth Bathsheba did that to you. Oh. So now they're like, oh, fuck, what's going on? So they decided that they were going to do a seance. Yeah. That's what you want to do, right? Well, they, they said they couldn't do an exorcism because the, fam the parent family wasn't religious. So the best next thing, I guess, was to do a seance. So they were all sitting around doing the seance. And I guess uh, they told the kids to go upstairs, all the daughters to go upstairs, right? But they're like, fuck this. So they're all like sneaking down and they're all sitting there and they're watching what's going on. and. Um, Andrea said that 
her mom started talking with a weird voice, like a voice that she had never heard her speak to before. And her head would like bob back and forth. And then she was thrown, the ch actually the chair was lifted and then thrown like 20 feet across the, the room with her in the chair. And like oh. Andrea's like, fuck this, like peace out, right? So the, the Warrens were like, um yeah this is really bad <laughs> and they actually like left they were like i i we don't know if we can actually help you or not so they oh. were like oh shit like what the fuck's going on well even after that happened they were like they still decided to stay there and live with them i i yeah i don't understand why 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 that they would do that so, um, like I said, Lorraine died in, in April of 2019, and she said that that was one of the most traumatizing events that she oh, ever geez. witnessed in her whole life. And she, 10,000 investigations, and that was one. Yeah. And she did say, so this is a quote from her. She said, the things that went on there were just so incredibly frightening it still affects me to talk about it today. And for years after the Warrens came, the Perrin family lived beside these spirits and then finally left in 1980. So, um, mm, that's crazy. Like, yeah. So the house was then bought by a lady named Norma um, Sutcliffe. And when she moved in, basically she claimed that there was nothing going on she had nothing and she was pissed uh -huh. so they decided <laughs> i bought this house right ghost right Not so happening. you guys heard of the conjuring the movie the conjuring yes. that movie was made about the uh -huh. parent family so this whole situation they made the conjuring this is the first one which I wow. think is okay. the most scariest one about. It's so scary. And so that movie was released in 2013. Well, once that movie was released, uh, Norma's home became like, you know, Grand Central Station. Like she had to put signs up and people would just oh, would wow. ignore it. And she was basically pissed. Like she's like, so she went out and she made this huge statement, this house is not haunted, this and that. But I think she was doing it really to kind of stop these people from coming. I just can't imagine something being so crazily haunted for one family and then another right. person moves in and it's totally not. So I totally don't kind of believe Norma 110%, but okay, Norma, whatever you say, girl. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was because just, she wasn't family. Yeah. Maybe I, that was Maybe, yeah. Maybe. So a lot of people did, um, a lot of TV shows went and did uh, investigations in this home. Um, in 2005, Ghost Hunters did it. This was, you know, the the old school Ghost Hunters. Like I would watch that yeah. all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. The um, they didn't really find much. They, they found a lot of cold spots and they did... Um, Ha they did see a, a, a door opening, closing. I think it was the pantry door, um, which surprised Norma. Norma was like, oh, I, I don't know why you're getting this stuff. Like, I don't understand, whatever. And in 
just this past Halloween, 2019, uh, Ghost Adventures did a two-hour Halloween special, and they actually went and investigated the parent uh, farmhouse with Andrea. She was there with them for, oh, wow. for, for half cool. of the time. And then they brought in these two weird dudes that supposedly were the very first ones to investigate like a month prior to the Warrens. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I think Zach Bacon's kind of goes over the top sometimes. What? Yeah, what I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think these guys were like, kind of like, yeah, Zach, let, let's put on a show because they were like way over the top. So I, I didn't really watch the whole thing. I just, I couldn't get through it. But uh, so to this day, the Perrin family still continue to confirm that all these hauntings did happen. Uh, Andrea wrote a book and she does uh, like tours uh, and she does like, she tells her story and everything. And you can see these little interviews all over the place on uh, YouTube. I started watching some of these interviews with Andrea and she started talking about a lot of stuff that I didn't find in any of the documentaries, which I thought was really cool. So a uh, little history on the house that um, Andrea talked about. Uh, there was a young girl named Prudence Arnold. She was one of the uh, many generations at the Arnold. She was 11 years old and there was this 21 year old dude there um, in the town that wanted to marry her. And Ew. she was like, yeah, oh my but, God. I, but, this was, oh, but this was like in the like, like 1700s, 1800s. So I think no, that was 11, probably normal. No no. Back 11, no, no. 11 is always no, no, no. 11, okay. maybe 13, 14, but 11. Okay. okay. Oh. Well, she was like not having it. She's like, no. So he basically got pissed and like decapitated her. Like <gasps> he was like, yeah. Oh. He called it. It was wrong. I know. <laughs> And he like threw her in like the pantry. So like that's the <gasps> door that opens and closes all the time by itself. Yeah. So yeah. scary. Awful. Mm. So Andrea said that she would hear, they would hear door slamming and closing all the time. Their animals would freak out all the time. And they were in denial for a really long time. They were like, no. And even her parents were like totally in denial. Uh, the pantry door was one of the doors that would open and close. And April, April was the youngest. All the girls would go to school. April stayed at home with her mom. She said that she was sitting on the floor watching Sesame Street and she looked over and she saw the pantry door open and she said, mama, mama. And she was pointing to the door and she said something really bad happened in there. Oh, and God. that's oh, that's where prudence was was put like um la 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 yeah when Bathsheba would appear to the girls she basically had no eyes and no mm. mouth it was basically just black like holes but then she said sometimes mm. she would appear and it looked like her head was like a hornet's nest which is so creepy. What? Yeah, so creepy when you think about that. And Ew. then she would she would glide. Like, so she didn't have feet, but she would glide throughout the house. And then her arms, she said, looked like sticks. And one time she she came into the room and Cindy, you know, she was the little one. She was like, you know, five, six, seven years old. And she came into her room one one night and she said, 
come to me, come to me, little girl. And Cindy says she ran down the stairs to her mom and she's like, you're my mommy, right? You're my mommy. She's not my mommy, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, how scary. So, oh, oh, chills. I know, right? So Andrea wrote this book. I think it's called The Darkest House, The Lightest House. I haven't read it, but I do want to read it. And mm. it's basically a lot of stuff that she wouldn't talk about in, in the interviews that she talks about. Uh, but you guys, this is such a crazy haunting when you think about like all the shit that was going on. And then of course, movie magic, when they made the conjuring, mm -hmm. they spruced it up. Like they really spruced right, up the whole right. seance thing. Sure. If sure. you haven't seen mm -hmm. this movie, the seance part is so fucking creepy. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and then they make, they make Bathsheba just like, Ugh. and Bathsheba and Herbert are in that movie and it's just it's so bananas all the shit that happens mm -hmm. but um it's such a great movie it's one of the, the scariest they they do that it's like uh, terrifying they do that hide yeah. and seek game where they like like yes. kind of like Marco Polo <gasps> you clap like that <gasps> yeah. Yeah. oh god it's and when so they, creepy when the girls clap back about oh shit <laughs> <laughs> I know no yeah, it's remember so when we did the seance yes. at your place and yeah. she would like knock or say like repeat and then we were like all whoa uh, <laughs> please yep but like, so, do it but don't do it oh my god yeah. <laughs> do it but don't do it so there you guys go the uh there you go it's the uh oh, so yay. yay Karen mm. family hauntings yeah I knew I recognized that name I knew I yeah. recognized it. You know, my stepdaughter, um, every time we think of like Annabelle or The Conjuring or any of those uh, movies, like I can guarantee that we will watch those together. But uh -huh. I'm sad to say that she didn't come this summer because of stupid coronavirus. Oh, so bummer. Yeah. She's like my scary movie buff, you know? She would watch them all. We would go to the movie theater together and watch them. Um, because nobody else in this house likes scary stuff. So it's just the two of us. Oh, yeah. I, I'm the only one that wants to a scary movie I, I, I yeah like it. yeah I like it I just want somebody next to me that's all yeah oh. that hubby is not a fan I'll sit all by myself <laughs> in the like, dark mm -mm. I'll sit by myself no, in the dark and watch it all by myself I'm I'm I'll good start, uh -uh. I'm I'll good. Start, hear, I'll yeah. start hearing things uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh I hear stuff like in my room behind me when I'm telling these stories mm -hmm. and that kind of freaks mm -hmm. me out because I have to sleep here when we're done so yeah right it's, it's kind of yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we typically record at night, so it's even worse. <laughs> yeah, like oh, no, I know, I know. So yeah, I've been on these nights. The conjuring the bed with me. Oh, <laughs> uh, so the conjuring whole that whole conjuring film thing. Th there's so many different stories that go along. So there's like the Annabelle story, mm -hmm. and um, it it's such a. And then there's the nun, the nun, that scary movie called the nun. Mm -hmm. That's all part of the the whole you know thing. Right. So, yeah so mm -hmm. but basically this is real life this is what happened it's a true story so ah, yeah crazy yeah. crazy all right it's all right the it story of the story week. of the week boop, 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 boop. <laughs> oh man wow so i have i have like a really beautiful story guys but it's also very sad oh, but why? i'm sorry why? I'm sorry. I was so touched by this. So I, I've come to the point where like, 
I stopped listening to podcasts on the way to work because I can't what? wrap my head around which one I want to listen to. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, so I've been watching, or not watching, I've been listening to NPR like every morning. Oh, yeah. And they have this thing where they have something called StoryCorps and then they um, will tell a story um, about someone, you know? And so like, those are always very touching. Mm -hmm. Well, this story really, like, it really touched my heart so much and it's very sad, but also what a badass I'm about to tell you guys about. Um, I am telling you guys the story of physician Jose Gabriel Lopez Placencia or Dr. Lopez for short. Hmm. Unfortunately, he passed away at the ripe old age of 99 years old. Oh my goodness. And oh, in his lifetime, yeah, he, he actually did pass away with, uh, from complications due to coronavirus. So I think oh. if it wasn't for it, can you imagine 99? Jeez. He would have lived for how much longer? Like, geez, this man was like, you know, he was, he was built from the good stuff, right? Yeah. So Damn. Really, really want to bring light to his life and his story because um, not only was he 99, but he actually was a doctor in Phoenix and he, he was a doctor for 60 years. What? That's crazy. 60 years. So that's a long time for somebody uh -huh. to be a doctor. You know, we thought, we think about like when you become work, when you start working at like 20, 30, you work for like what, 40 maybe years, mm -hmm. maybe mm -hmm. max, right? Mm -hmm. 60 years as a doctor. And he actually retired when he was 87, I'm sorry, 89. What? When 89 years old. So yeah. When he retired, he um, has been quoted as saying something that I feel like this has stuck with me because I think it's something really important. It says, it's not how old you are, it's how long you have been living. Interesting. So really sit and yes. think about that one, right? Mm. Um, he had a receptionist that he worked with um, back in the 60s. Her, she is 83 years old, Miss Olivia Murrieta. And she says that he never once asked her, how many more patients do I have to see? She never, ever heard him complain. Um, people never made appointments. They would just walk in and they would see him and he would have a line of people and never wonder when it was oh, time wow. for him to go home. Oh, wow. um, very sweet. There was um, older generations, remember him? Um, he was one of the few Spanish speaking doctors in South Phoenix. Um, he was born in 1921. And um, he came to Phoenix to help low-income families. And he practiced you know, medicine along with surgery for those 60 years. He even enlisted in the Arizona Army National Guard as a medical officer when he was younger. Um, wow. So this is like taking care of people who once faced decades of segregation and poverty. Um, so much that he did. There was actually a really beautiful story from a woman who holds his picture there. She says, I remember him with that smile um, living in her quiet room in Phoenix, she says she has a faded photo of Dr. Lopez with his wife from their anniversary party. She said they were always having fiestas and were always there singing and dancing. Um, she says the photo is proof that Dr. Lopez was a sharp dresser. In the photo, he's wearing a black, yeah. he's wearing a black tuxedo with ruffles and a big bow tie. Oh my gosh. She says, it's beautiful. She says, that outfit is actually a reminder of the time he saved her husband's life. On a hot Arizona day in 1974, her husband, Jesus Fernandez, came home from his construction job with severe symptoms of heat stroke. Instead of calling 911, they called Dr. Lopez. 
he was um, on his way to a banquet and instead came to her house right away. Wow. He came with a tuxedo and he took care of her husband because he was dying. And so he saved her life, his life. Oh my gosh. Wow. This yeah. guy so cool. lived a badass life, just giving and giving and giving. Yeah, the that's why time. he lived so and long. Then, yeah. I, I think so. And you know, they said even even though he was like helping the like poor gen, poor people in South Phoenix, he didn't always um, take money from them. He would take like he would barter and say, Okay, you can mow my lawn today. Okay, you can wow. make me dinner. You know, wow. whatever you have to give, I will provide my services. And so what a, a beautiful heart what a beautiful man um he's my badass he is yeah. a badass bad i think i think when people live to ripe old ages like that it's not always a sad thing when they pass away you know especially when you can like like remember them and have a beautiful story to tell at the end mm-hmm. of their life i feel like we all strive for that and we yes. should all yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, all try to have this person. amazing mm-hmm. for sure for i love sure. it yay yay Wow. I need to, I need to do better. Don't you just hear the badass story and you go, I, I, I know. Better. I should yeah. try uh-huh. mm-hmm. You know I should I mean? try harder. I should mm-hmm. try harder. Yes. Well, yeah. everyone that's listening could be a badass and uh, leave a review on iTunes. <laughs> that <Yeah>. would be badass. <laughs> it would be badass to tell your friends and family about the podcast. That's, that would be legit, right? Check yeah. out um, our Patreon page and support your favorite crazy ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's always good to check out the Instagram, the Facebook. We try to have as much fun as possible with mm-hmm. it. Uh, we have a website that Timo did, handcuffs and sage at uh, podcast.com. And you can always message us. We love to get messages and we answer you. Uh, what what's our email address? I always forget it. Handcuffs and Sage at, at gmail.com. Gmail. Yep, that's it. <laughs> yep. I'm professional. And then all of our all of our handcuffs and sage episodes are now all on uh YouTube. Yay! Woo! YouTube uh that was a basically huge undertaking girl. It was, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh YouTube yeah. basically puts everything in order of when you download it to them. So it kind of hops around a little bit. Uh, but it's, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory. I tell you the the episode number and then the date that it came out and then our title and then the explanation of everything, just like how it is when you, when you listen to it on, on a podcast platform and uh, our down the rabbit hole episodes are also on there. So yeah, check them out and then go into iTunes and, and give us a review. Yay! Yay. Yeah. Good job, you guys. Woo! Ooh, All right. Okay. All right. We're taking and, a break. And remember, we do we what do we, we want. want. Woo. Woo! Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Handcuffs and Sage is hosted by Red, Timo, and Dre in a shitty guest room in Los Angeles. Theme music is Leave Now by We Are Wasted. Cover art done by Megan Winchester. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Show some love on iTunes. Be a badass and do what you want. Until next time.